Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey friends, welcome back and happy Wednesday. I hope you are doing good wherever you are in the world, however the weather is in the world. Oh, it's so British, isn't it? <laughs> weather. I'm, I'm just looking out the window at the, the sunshine and uh, I've come and sat down having been sat in the garden reading in um, in the sun. So kind of got the weather on my mind. Um, but wherever you are, however things are in the world in terms of COVID, um, I hope you are doing okay. And I want to start as always by saying a massive thank you to Padma who joined us on Monday really great conversation diving into relationships and it's really funny because I mentioned that it was in some ways linked to last Monday's podcast with Keith um, talking about conflict and it feels like today our episode is kind of linked to last Wednesday's episode as well. Uh, So last Wednesday we were joined by Sue and we were diving into nutrition and kind of eating, not just eating but (laughs) um but particularly around nutrition and um, how we could feel fabulous um, and really nurture our bodies uh, from the inside out. Um, and today feels feels linked, it feels related because we're in that food space and uh, today we're joined by Sarah and we're talking about emotional eating um, and something that Sarah uh, helps people with and talks about is freedom from emotional eating. Um, And so we are diving into intuitive eating, mindful eating, and and I think the 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 two this week and last week are like a different take on nutrition and food and eating and our relationship with food. Um, But yeah, slightly different perspectives and really valuable uh, to listen to together. And um, I know that listening back to it, uh, I. Yeah, I found it such a valuable conversation to listen back to. And I am definitely someone who identifies as an emotional eater. Uh, It's something that if I am feeling overwhelmed um, and don't have much energy, then food often is that quick boost of often sugar and fatty stuff to get that energy. But um, as I mentioned in the conversation, if I'm not having a great day, often it's uh, a comfort um so definitely I'm a comfort eater um and so yeah it was it was as often as the way interestingly very timely for me to listen back to this interview as I was editing it this weekend uh, so I really hope that you enjoy it uh, Sarah gives us so much valuable content in this conversation so let's dive in and I'll be back super quickly afterwards Hi, everyone, and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest, Sarah, to the podcast. So, Sarah, welcome. And if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, that would be amazing. Yes. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. So I am Sarah Thacker, and I'm located in New York, and I'm a therapist. And I've specialized over the years in 
developing a um, process for working with those who struggle mainly with emotional eating and with, you know, all the way to the spectrum of eating disorders, as well as anxiety and trauma, which, and perfectionism and creative blocks and all this other stuff, but that all tends to kind of intertwine. Um, I'm licensed as a therapist, but also a yoga therapist. So I've done a lot of specialty training in that area, as well as in EMDR therapy. And so I've created a very integrated approach to help people through a variety of techniques that seem to help not just address behaviorally how to make changes, but then also getting really deep into the root of where these patterns originally arose, whether it's from trauma or from you know, messaging or any other layers that might be uncovered, but really getting deep into to the why and then being able to also address the here and the now with behavioral change. Awesome. And I'd, in a little while, I'd love to get into the patterning, but what struck me is very interesting, the kind of the areas you work in and thinking about the episodes we've had of the podcast that have been particularly popular. And two of our most popular episodes are on anxiety and then a recent one on anorexia. Mm. And I, I wonder whether that's a kind of, and they were standalone separate episodes, but I wonder if you have that common crossover of, of those two things often occurring together. Absolutely. There's all kinds of comorbidities, particularly with anything that's related to eating and emotional eating, because generally one of the main drivers is stress and anxiety. And so the there's absolutely that overlay. And then with the patterning where food starts to become a problem and the solution to the problem, that that's where it becomes very anxiety provoking because it's not just frustrating in terms of not having the right tools or knowing how to break free of a pattern, but also recognizing that this pattern is harmful and unhealthy and potentially dangerous. And so absolutely there's that overlap. And, and then also what happens very frequently, like with something as extreme as anorexia is there's that perfectionism piece. And so that that's driven by underlying anxiety for sure. Mm. And I guess with, with food in particular, it's, you know, we need it. Don't we? It's not something that we can have maybe difficulty managing and just decide, well, I'll just, I just won't, I won't have it that maybe with other substances or things that, that we can have maybe unhealthy relationships with, we, we can do not saying that it's in any way easy, but food is something that, that we need. Yeah. Absolutely. That that's the biggest challenge, right? Because if someone is struggling with alcohol or drugs, there's opportunities to completely eliminate that. And yet we have to eat. And that's where it becomes very confusing because then what happens is many people start going into this dieting society where it's just like one trying one next diet after the other, when it's really not about not knowing what to eat. It's more about not being able to either control you know, yourself once you get going with certain foods or certain cravings are just so overwhelming and strong um, that, and then if there's that strong restriction that happens with the dieting, then there's inevitably going to be maybe an overeating episode because our bodies are designed to eat. And so it becomes so harmful with the pattern of the dieting. And then the, you know, every diet has an end point because <laughs> it's the desired outcome often happens or, or it just feels like a failure. So at some point the diet is over and then if we don't create new patterning or new ways of being with food, then it's just going to return to the old way. And it's very, it's, it's definitely one of those things that's very, very recursive in that way and frustrating. And, and certainly, you know, we have to eat to live. And so 
it's, it becomes something you have to think about all the time. And yet with doing more of a mindful eating, intuitive eating approach, there's all kinds of ways to help reduce a lot of that patterning in terms of the cravings and how to manage them, the understanding how to more effectively deal with the emotions that are underlying the desire to overeat or to eat certain foods. And then also removing any type of good or bad and the judgment associated with food and being able to have a new relationship that helps to release the anxiety around food. So there are lots of solutions, but yes, absolutely. There's, that is one of the biggest challenges is that we have to eat to live and that desire to control it through dieting or the desire to not control it through not having the emotions to take over is very difficult to know how to get started with that. Mm -hmm. And how much of that labeling of foods as good and bad, and then if you eat the bad food, that kind of guilt and, and shame that comes with it, how much of an impact does that have? And, and how much do you see that kind of leading to maybe more, um, more difficulties? Absolutely. So what can start with just, you know, what's happened for many people during this pandemic is stress naturally. Food was something that's, that is one of the few pleasures that we have when you're, you know, locked inside. And so it was starting to become this patterning in, for even somebody who maybe hadn't struggled with that before. And then it does become something where it can trigger more disordered eating patterns when it becomes that, oh no, like I've ordered pizza three nights in a row and that's bad food. And so now I'm a bad person for eating that. And that's the messaging that we send to ourselves. And also, you know, if you're involved at all in any type of diet culture, then that's the messaging probably getting from that. And so then it internalizes as shame. And then, so what happens is maybe sneaking food can start to happen because it feels shameful to eat more in front of people, or there's other patterns that can certainly develop from there. And, and then it becomes, yes, such a harmful way of speaking. And then that becomes the languaging that we end up hearing as the negative self-talk that drives the anxiety or depression that can get also really exacerbated with these patterns because then start saying, well, I'm a bad person for eating this bad food. And now, you know, I'll, I'll never change or whatever that other, the negative self-talk starts to linger into becomes very, very harmful. Yeah. And I, I definitely on a personal level, uh, class myself as an emotional eater <laughs> and, um, and I, and I imagine that that is, is really quite common that idea of, you know, if you've had an, an you've had a bad day. So, I mean, this may be a very British thing. You have a cup of tea and a biscuit or, you know, you, you're celebrating. So you have cake or you've had a bad day. So you have cake and, and it's, it can be that default can't it, of right. something is not the way I'd like it to be. So this other thing is going to make me feel better or it's some kind of reward. Yes, it is. And it absolutely triggers the pleasure center instantly sugar, like cake, you know, the, or the tea and the biscuit pleasure center immediately is, is so you get that shot of dopamine and it feels good. And so there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it has to not be our only source of pleasure in life as food. And then also really recognizing if you're in tune with your body, are you really hungry? And then can, is there a way to deal with the stress in another way? And then maybe still you'll want the tea and the biscuit, but it's much less likely that it'll be an overeating of biscuits because of feeling really rotten. Where then again, that's generally when the, the guilt and the shame start to come in. It's when like, oh, I wasn't even hungry and then I ate it and it was a bad food. And, da -da. and then again, it kind of just triggers that mm. cycle of the negative self-talk and so absolutely, emotional eating is really common. And to some extent, sure, you don't like 
it does make us feel good or if we're celebrating, you know, it is very desirable to have something that's celebratory and we associate that often with food. Food is one of the things that we need to live. And generally the things that we need to live are pleasurable so that we want to keep doing those things to, to make sure we sustain life and just from an evolutionary standpoint. And so, so it's natural to be, you know, and I believe that food should be pleasurable and absolutely it is something to look forward to and to enjoy. But when we're working from an intuitive eating and mindful eating perspective, it's really tuning in and being able to recognize, am I really hungry? And if, if I'm not, and I'm just soothing an emotion, then what else can I do in this moment that might help manage this emotion more effectively so that I can release it or so I can be in touch with it so that I don't deny that I'm having this emotional experience and just try to stuff it away because Mm -hmm. um, that's just generally not how it works. It just becomes residue that just builds up. And so when you can deal with it in the moment, recognize that and then be able to check in. Am I still hungry for that? And sometimes you might be, and sometimes you might not be. And the decision to eat it mindfully, so there's no judgment, it's not good, it's not bad, it's just food and you're looking forward to it. And so you just really look at what are the facts about it? This is you know, what I'm choosing to do in this moment and then tasting every bite, enjoying it, making sure you're actually deriving the pleasure from it and it doesn't lead to that aftershock of the guilt because it might be pleasurable temporarily if it's a stress eating moment, but then generally the after effect is negative. It becomes, you know, that's where that cycle starts and, and then, you know, continues to become very dangerous as if I'm doing it just to release this discomfort, but then I feel bad about myself for doing it. So then that leads to maybe more overeating and that cycle becomes very dangerous. Mm. Yeah. I think the, the words you said that was the, the word that was in, in my head as well. And thinking about that, that piece of cake was that idea of choice and, mm-hmm. and I feel, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, but from a personal perspective, if I'm emotionally eating, I'm not really feeling in control. And to be honest, I might, not recently, but I might eat like a whole pack of biscuits and be like, where did they go? I haven't enjoyed them. I've just, and it, it doesn't, it, it feels like you're, yeah, almost out of control a little bit that you need it rather than that. I'm going to have this piece of cake and I am going to enjoy it and savor, savor it. And I've kind of thought about it and it's all good. Absolutely. And that huge difference is because many people say like, oh, I'm not allowed to eat carbs. I'm not allowed to have cake. You know, I'm on a diet, but he said, choose not to eat it. That's a whole different thing. I'm choosing not to eat this right now because I'm not hungry. I'm choosing not to eat this because it upsets my stomach or when it becomes something that's from a place of empowerment, then usually it feels very healthy to do that. If it's coming from a place of you know, I'm not allowed to, or it's bad, then that just, again, it becomes something that's even more desirable potentially. And, and it also feels like just disempowering. It feels like I'm too out of control to be able to handle myself. So I have to follow this rigid diet to function. And that's Mm -hmm. generally not a healthy, healthy mindset. Mm, Yeah, I feel I'm the kind of person that likes to rebel against (laughs) the rules. So when I, yeah, and I sometimes with certain things have to tell myself things in a certain way, because then it completely changes how, you know, how I feel about them. So we've kind of mentioned mindful eating and intuitive eating and probably a lot of the aspects of them in in kind of passing. But I wonder if you could kind of give us um, a definition of what you mean by those. Yeah, so intuitive eating was developed um, by two dietitians a long time ago. I think the first copy of the book Intuitive Eating came out in what's about 25 years ago and their second edition is about to come out now. And it's just 10 principles that are really, um, really helpful about guiding. So they're not intended to be rules or limitations, but just some guidance. And 
they like rejecting diet mentality is the first where you just want to get away from having these rules about food and feeling again, that sense of restriction, because inevitably that generally leads to overeating at some point. The number one indicator of people gaining weight is having been on a diet. <laughs> so it's the, like, <laughs> generally it's a, you know, it's like a 95% fail rate for most diets. So that's just, you know, like there's gotta be a better way. Right. And then it's honoring your hunger, respecting your fullness. So that's where the mindful eating so I really overlap mindful eating into every aspect of the intuitive eating because mindful eating is about sitting down, paying attention, using your senses and enjoying the process of eating and savoring it. So you taste your food, you notice what makes your body feel good, what makes your body not feel good. You notice your satiety, you know, like how satiation effect happens when you have had enough, but then you also recognize, oh, I'm still hungry. Like I need more, um, things like that. You pay much more attention when you're eating and then you have more um, control generally, and also more just awareness around, around portions or around what foods are right for you or not right for you rather than it being dictated by a diet. And, and then it's also about managing your emotions uh, without food in an effective way. And so that you're, you're really respecting the emotional world. And a big part of that is being able to understand the messages of emotions and to try to use the perspective of what is the message that this emotion has for me versus like, Ooh, that doesn't feel good. I don't want to feel it. <laughs> Instead, it's being able to recognize like, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's there for a purpose. So what, let me dive a little deeper into that purpose and not be uncomfortable with the fact that it's just a feeling and how can I better manage it or do something about it. If like I'm angry, which generally says, I'm not okay with how I'm being treated, then that's the message of the emotion. And then we have to make a choice like, okay, well, if someone spoke to me, you know, in a way that wasn't kind, like, do I address that? Or do I journal about it? Or how do I deal with this feeling rather than just like sitting and seething and then wanting to stuff it away? And so that's a big part of the intuitive eating process, as well as mindfulness, because you want to be mindfully aware of what your experience is in this in the moment. And then it's also looking at, you know, the, the police, like the food police. <laughs> and so we have all of these rules and restrictions and, you know, and then there's like, oh, have you tried intermittent fasting or this, you know, whatever diet or this diet, and this is the right one. So it's trying to get away from all of that food policing kind of thing, kind of mentality. Um, and really re being able to just hone in and recognize that, you know, what your body wants and needs. And you get to make those distinctions and choices. And at the end of the day, there's, there's no right diet that's going to suit every single individual. And the more that we can tune in and recognize what makes your body feel good and what makes our own bodies feel vital and energized, then that that's going to be the right way to eat for, for each individual. And that doesn't mean restricting. It doesn't mean, you know, overindulgence in certain areas. I think a lot of people feel like, well, if I just eat whatever I want, then I'm just going to eat pizza and cookies all day. And I, most people, once they might do that for a couple of days after a diet or something else, and then they don't feel good because we need vegetables. We need plenty of adequate water and, you know, a, a wide array of nutrients. And so generally, if you're really intuitively eating, you're not just going to be eating foods that are devoid of some nutritional content. However, you're also not going to restrict them. It's just about finding the right balance. And then exercise is a part of it, like finding movement that's enjoyable for your body so that you find pleasure in your body, you find ways to feel really healthy and vital. And then, then naturally, it's just the nutrition piece is a part of intuitive eating where it's 
really finding gentle nutrition. And so how do you make sure that you're adequately nourishing your body on a daily basis and making sure you're providing it with those vital nutrients so that you can be healthy and vital. Yeah. Awesome. And I, um, I've sort of been changing how I eat recently and like listening to that, I'm like, Oh yeah, maybe I am getting towards this intuitive thing because I, and actually I'm eating quite similar to a, a diet that I've done before that my body likes but I've been very mindful of not calling it a diet because I'm like, it's not, it's, it's that I want to stop feeling crummy, to be honest. Yeah. And I had um, a kind of, I guess if I'd been on a diet, I would have called it a cheat meal last night, but it was just, you know, we had a nice uh, burger delivered and actually, do you know what? Afterwards I was like, mm-hmm, it wasn't as great as I, as I thought it would be, or as I kind of remembered, but I'd, I'd chosen it. And actually it's something I maybe would have got into that habit of like, really, oh, I'm going to have a treat or I've been good all week. So guess what I'm going to have. And actually it was very much a choice. And I was like, actually, no, do you know what? Next time I don't feel like I will want that. I will want, I don't know, something else. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, if food is celebratory and it's not, and not thinking of it like a cheat meal, but just thinking of it like, yeah, sometimes I indulge in a burger and fries. And as long as again, that it, it makes your body feel okay. And it's not any type of trouble for how you're feeling energetically, then yeah, that's, that's great. Again, it's not about restricting. And like you said, the word, I love that you said that, you know, it's kind of like a diet you followed, but the word diet, it comes from the Greek root, which means way of life. And so we've just spoiled it. Yeah. (laughs) Has spoiled the word, but the word itself is actually quite beautiful about way of life. And the way that we eat is generally a part of our our life. And it's, it's a very, um, you know, if we are, our thoughts aren't around like, Oh, what am I allowed to eat today? Or how many calories have I had? Or, you know, is this the right macros to micros or whatever? (laughs) Those kinds of thoughts are overwhelming and, and generally anxiety provoking. Whereas like, Ooh, what do I feel like today? Or what, you know, what, what sounds good for dinner and being able to really think about then, okay, where's the vegetable in there and where's the, the protein, but then not being rigid about that. But it's, so there's the gentle nutrition still there to offer that, but then it's, and what else would sound good with that? And so it's, it's, allowing the thoughts about food to find more pleasure, to be more mindful about really what's right for my body, but then also what's going to taste good, what's going to be satisfying at the end of the day too. And if that's how your body finds that it likes to eat, that is your diet, <laughs> but, yeah. It, yeah, but it's not a diet. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I'm enjoying it. And I think that's something when I've been on a, a classic diet, not, you know, uh, like trying to restrict you know, I'm just getting to those habits of like, oh, I have to eat this because that's the right thing to have. And actually this time I'm, I'm eating healthy. I'm thinking about nurturing my body and thinking like, what do I enjoy? And then if I'm sitting down having a meal that I just really enjoy and it's also healthy, then I don't have that sense of depriving myself and wanting to rebel that I would have had if I was on a restrictive diet. And I think that's where it becomes that way of life of being able to go, I'm nurturing myself, I'm enjoying it. It's all good. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, I think, when people start really following intuitive eating and mindful eating practices, it generally takes several months to really find the right, you know, combination of foods that really suit your body the most. And that, you know, that to get away from the concept of the, oh, I'm not allowed to have that, or this, am I being bad? I'm eating pizza or whatever. And instead of those kinds of thoughts starting to be like, yeah, more just grounded. It sounds like what's happened with you is just feeling Mm -hmm. more grounded in your choices and then learning from it. So it's like, it's not a failure if you got that and 
you didn't, it didn't suit your body, but it's just an opportunity to recognize like, okay, well, next time I can make a different choice. And that will be a choice that's empowering, not restrictive because it's coming from that information that your body gave you that just didn't suit you. It wasn't right. Or maybe you didn't like it as much as you thought. And so if you're really looking for something pleasurable, there might be other options. And so that's the really beautiful thing about following the work and letting it unfold naturally rather than thinking of it as just another diet. <laughs> so, you can, Because it's something that does take a good bit of time to really integrate in a way and to feel comfortable and confident with it because it's just a whole different way of, of really relating to food. So do you have any top tips for anyone who is like, oh, well, I'm, I'm trying to do that or it sounds great, but I find I just fall back into that pattern where I've, I've chosen something and then I'm beating myself up about it. Do you have any, any kind of advice around that? Yeah, I, I recommend just the really simple pause, reflect and release practice when it comes to cravings in particular. So the first thing is just to have a little journal that you keep with you that can be really tiny. So it can like fit in a pocket or whatever, or just have nearby. And when you're having a craving, just pulling it out and being able to ask, what am I like, am I really hungry right now? How hungry do I actually feel like a snack? Would that do a meal? Like what's really happening? Or am I not hungry at all? So if I am hungry, then being able to really determine, okay, what would, what would actually be satisfying right now? And then being able to make note of that. And then after eating that meal or snack mindfully, so really paying attention, chewing thoroughly, noticing when do I start to feel satiated? When is that full? That's a really satisfied feeling, but not over full and being able to practice stopping then and what was that like and then being able to journal about how easy or hard that was on that particular day what journaling does is it gives you information and data so you begin to notice your own patterns and that allows you to be reflective and then to be able to make change going forward another another layer to then do the reflection on in the journal is if you're not hungry then being able, so if you are hungry, like kind of go through that, like how hungry am I, meal or snack, and then being able to eat it and then get your information about how it made you feel, was it satisfying, you know, all of that satisfying in terms of you enjoyed it and satiating in terms of you feel full in your body, but not stuffed. And then being able to look at if I'm not hungry, this is where you would do the reflection and the releasing because it's an emotion most likely. So what emotion might I be avoiding right now? could be procrastination. It could be boredom. It could be like procrastination as an effect of boredom, or it could be anxiety. It could be sadness. It could be anger. It could be that, you know, some of the most common ones are really anxiety, boredom, and, um, and just feeling like, I don't know what else to do with myself right now. And that procrastination thing happens for many people are like, Oh, I'll just have a snack. And then, <laughs> you know, but not necessarily feel hungry. And so being able to then look at, okay, well, let me reflect on this again. What is the message of the emotion? And what does it want me to know? What, what can I do now at, as part of the releasing process? And so now that I understand why this emotion is here, what can I do about it? And sometimes it's nothing and that's okay. It's just letting yourself sit with the emotion, recognize it and honor it. Naming it sometimes allows the distress of it to come way down. So just even getting in touch can be enough. But sometimes there is something else you can do. And so if you're feeling really anxious and you're like, I'm just having a lot of thoughts about, you know, work, or I'm stressed about this, you know, the pandemic or something that may not have a solution in the moment, maybe you need to take a walk and just kind of burn off some of that anxious energy. Maybe you need to journal and just dump it out of your head a little bit so that you can get, 
get some of that distress out. Maybe you need to call a friend and just be able to, you know, talk it through. So there's other ways of handling that. And the same thing with, you know, with boredom, it's like, okay, boredom just means you need connection of some sort, you need stimulation. And so what can you do to stimulate your mind in a way, you know, like, is there something creative you enjoy doing? Or is there, again, like all those other things you could do, certainly like movement, um, contacting a friend, getting connected, and doing some journaling, because that's always a nice way just to be internally focused and to give yourself some, some space to, to be with yourself. And that, and then that release process, then being able to tune back in, like, am I still having that craving? For most people, like, if you were to categorize, like, I gauge a lot of things on a zero to five or zero to 10 scale. And so how, how distressing was that emotion beforehand? And then how distressing is it after you've done that like how much did you actually release it and for most people when they've chosen something and they start to figure out their go-to coping strategies they really are effective and so sometimes it might be something really simple like a couple deep breaths and another time it's more of like no I need like a 30 minute walk (laughs) just to really decompress so you know depending on the time that you have but it generally will really help in that process and again when you take the good notes about it and you journal about it that gives you the feedback. So you really start to recognize your own coping strategies that are going to be the most effective for you because everybody's different. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And then I wonder if we could just for a moment, think about the kind of flip side. Cause I know for me, when my emotions are high, I go for food, yeah. but I definitely have friends who, when they are anxious, they lose their appetite. Mm-hmm. And I wonder with intuitive eating, whether that's something you kind of listen to yourself and go, Oh, I'm not hungry. Or whether there's an element of going actually, as part of nurturing myself, I need to try and have a certain number of meals a day. I wonder if you have any thoughts on, on that. Yeah, absolutely. Because for some people they do, if there's a lot of anxiety, that is absolutely the case where, you know, food is very grounding. So it tends to calm us down. And so recognizing if you are really anxious, but you're not hungry, what can you do still to help burn off some of that anxious energy? If it's not a solvable problem, if it's a problem you can solve, do that first. And then that will help the anxiety subside. But if it is not a solvable problem right now, it's how do you release some of that intense energy? And then really, I think it's so, it's so important to say, what can I eat that might just give me a little bit of grounding right now? And so things like anything that came out of the ground generally is grounding, right? So we think about like, you know, beans and nuts and seeds and, you know, like vegetables, root vegetables in particular tend to be very grounding. And then also meat tends to be grounding, um, things like tea. And so those types of things that are very earthy so that it just gives you an opportunity to feel back in your body through the process of eating. And it's, it is incredibly important to still eat, even when you are feeling like just overwhelmed and like, I don't even feel like eating right now. Yeah. So it's for some people, it's the one, one extreme to the other. And we really, with everything, we're trying to find the middle road because that is where it's most likely to be sustainable and where you're most likely to find true health. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And I wonder if you have a final thought on mindful eating, intuitive eating, anxiety, or life in general that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, I think the most important thing is, is just to get started with, and the most simple way to do it is to just check in with, can I commit to doing one mindful meal a day or snack? So it doesn't have to feel overwhelming. Like this is a change again, like I'm going to do an overhaul because that's the dieting mentality that we tend to get stuck in. And this is all about how do I make slow change over time that's sustainable and that I, like I'm in it, I know I'm in it because it's, you you know, you feel each level of that change. And so if you can just start with one mindful meal or snack a day, 
even three to four times a week would be effective to get started where you're just eating and you're not judging your food. So the mindfulness is paying attention from moment to moment with a non-judgmental awareness. And sometimes we just think of it as just, oh, just being present. But really the non-judgment is the biggest element of it because that removes the emotion around it, right? So that says nothing, this isn't good or bad. It's not wrong or right. This is just what I'm choosing to eat. And so when you can become mindful as you're eating, again, and tune into your body and really pay attention to hunger and full sensations, notice any judgments that you're having and being able to practice reducing them or questioning them or releasing them if they do come in, that is going to begin to shift your relationship with food, even again, at a very slow pace, but over time, just by doing that simple act. Many people find that they're extremely mindless when they eat, they're occupied otherwise, even with pleasurable foods that they've been craving. And, and then inevitably, they're not deriving the true pleasure from the food because they're occupied. And then they're, you know, it's like the craving just keeps returning because, and that's something very controllable. So definitely, if you can get started with just one little bit, then I would recommend starting with that. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I would love to hear your thoughts on my set questions. I ask everyone that comes yeah. on the show. Awesome. The first one is what brings you joy in your life? Wow. What brings me joy? So many things. <laughs> <laughs> like I really, really love like simple things. Like I love a good warm cup of tea in the morning. That's just how I get started with my day. Um, my cats bring me joy. They're super adorable. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, my nephews and nieces bring me joy. My husband, of course, brings me joy. Um, this time of year when things start to get like crisp and cool and, you know, we're heading towards holiday season and stuff that all brings me joy with lights and um, all the nice things. New York is beautiful this time of year. So yeah, a lot of things bring me joy. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I've been to, well, actually not many places in the U S airports, but I have been to New York twice and okay. both once was actually over Thanksgiving, which was very different for a brick because there's so much shuts um but we saw a bit of the, the the macy's day parade but then the other time was slightly nearer christmas so it's pretty much the only time that i've ever seen yeah um, new york so yeah, cool. yeah it's beautiful yeah so then my my next question is what makes life meaningful for you my life i find you know i am very much grounded in my work i really bit lucky that I found what I was meant to do and that I get to do it every day. And so really that, I, that brings me so much meaning is just being able to offer people opportunities to really tune into themselves, to become more mindful and intuitive, to find, you know, find joy in their own lives, to find peace internally and to begin to create that for themselves. That really is um, where I find a lot of meaning. So then my next two questions um, are linked um, to our kind of overarching topic on the podcast, which is mental wellness. Yeah. So the first one is what does mental wellness mean to you? Mental wellness is, you know, if we're not prepared mentally to engage in our lives, then we're going to miss out on, on all of the joys. And sometimes I think when we try to narrow life and not experience the full range of emotions, out of fear, or out of discomfort, then we end up limiting. So when you don't get, allow yourself one layer extreme, then you're limiting your opportunity to know and to understand fully and deeply the opposite. And so that's really, I think, about mental wellness is how do you let yourself open up to the full experience of being a human and not trying to limit 
things just out of discomfort, but really trying to understand the complexities and the well-being. It's all to me all about kind of the foundations and how you set that up to be mentally well through mind, body, spirit. So really looking at it from that integrated whole. And that leads perfectly to the second bit, which is for yourself, what you do to look after your mental well-being. So how you put those foundations in place for yourself. Yeah, I very much have a a really calm morning routine. I don't like to be rushed or to be um, late or anything. So I just make sure I always have plenty of time. (laughs) Uh, So that definitely helps my own mental well-being. I meditate regularly. I do, um, I've joined a couple different online communities that do like meditation and kind of other wellness things just to stay connected during this kind of strange time. And, and that brings me a lot of mental well-being. I do journaling pretty much daily to, to stay connected to myself and to release and, and then movement is a big part of my mental well-being. And that's the part I resist the most probably. And yet I know I feel better when I do it. And so that's something that I try to hold myself accountable to, but it's, it does feel like a really grounded pillar (laughs) of staying mentally well, but for, it tends to be my most challenging. The other ones are all things I find a lot of pleasure in. And I do find pleasure in movement, but sometimes I'm like, (laughs) I'd rather like hang out, sit, relax. But, um, but that definitely feels like one of the layers that's really valuable. Yeah, I think we all sometimes have bits like that, that we, we enjoy them when we're doing them and we know they'll be good. But just that getting started can be <laughs> a bit of a we oh, push ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my next question is a bit of a challenge often, uh, which is fun. <laughs> Challenging people that come on. Uh, are you able to describe your own mindset? So my mindset, I find very, I I work on it every day. And so I try to ask myself, how do I want to feel? And I actually write it down in the mornings. I write down three ways I want to feel so that I get to choose. And so I might wake up feeling tired or crummy or whatever, but I like my mindset is something that I've had to learn how to create for myself. And so planning, preparing, and then also saying how I want to feel. So if I want to feel you know, engage today, or if I want to feel healthy today, then what am I going to need to do to create those feelings for myself? If I want to be happy today, what am I going to have to do if I didn't just wake up happy? And there, and then there's always actions that we can take. And so that's, that's something that I've had to learn (laughs) certainly how to do, but it's so effective to be able to look at, okay, well, when, when am I going to ensure that I get those things done so that I can actually feel those ways that I say I want to feel? yeah and I think that's a brilliant activity to get into to yeah firstly to be able to tune into and recognize your mindset when you first wake up which I think sometimes can be even that bit can be really tricky but to take that element of I don't know um ownership over it I guess and yeah Yeah. choice Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and that's not to deny other ways you might be feeling but the but for me, it's very helpful to ensure that I create an opportunity to have the full range of feelings. But particularly if there's some way I want to feel, then I have to often be the one that creates that. Yeah. Well, I guess in part of that, that what you need to do to feel that if you are feeling angry, for example, that's maybe looking at, well, why am I feeling angry? If I want to feel happy and then having to do something about that emotion rather than just stuff it down. So it's kind of building in that element of what am I going to do to address that feeling, that emotion? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Great. Uh, So this is my favorite question to ask because I'm 
I, I've been calling it nosy, but someone said it was curiosity, which I don't know. I quite like the sound of being nosy as well. I don't mind. Um, but we love to leave people with practical ideas. And I know you've you've put so many already into this. Um, but if you had a top one to three top tips that you could leave us with, what would you recommend? Yeah, I think if the top three would really be for one, just in terms of the mind, body, spirit wellness is how can you really tune into the main pillars of being well by doing some type of physical movement, something type of intentional relaxation. So that's not just like Netflix and chill, but it's like intentional relaxation where like meditation, yoga, um, you know, something very, you consider very mindful and engaged. And yet it's also relaxing for your nervous system proper nutrition. So even, even if you, no matter what else you're putting on your plate, just being able to say like, Hey, where are my vegetables? Those are really important things to make sure we're getting it. We all know fruits and vegetables are where it's at nutritionally. So it's just beneficial to ensure getting adequate amounts of that, no matter what else we're choosing to eat and then choosing ones you like. And then, um, and then sleep, if sleep can be, uh, something that you really hone in on and make a priority, then those four layers tend to be, and I know that's four things, <laughs> but I said three, but those four things tend to really set up the mind, body, spirit wellness so that you're, you're giving yourself the best opportunity to then be able to go into the mental well-being and really just let that be what you focus on rather. And if those other layers are well taken care of and supported. Awesome. Thank you. And I'll, yeah, I'll definitely allow sleep for a fourth one because it's one I always need reminding of. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, knowing I've, I'm doing a, um, a volunteer shift tonight overnight. So I know for me, it's a reminder because I'm going to be definitely in a sleep deficit after <laughs> tonight. So yes, it's a, a, always a good reminder. And then that brings us to our final question, which is where people can connect with you online. If they're interesting, interested in finding out more about you or working with you, where can they find you? Yeah. So I am at holisticfoodtherapy.com and that's holistic with a WH for whole foods and whole person. And I didn't realize it would be just like a word that (laughs) was harder to find, but um, so it's holisticfoodtherapy.com. And I have a book titled holistic food therapy, and it's a mindful approach to making peace with food. That's a workbook. Um, You can find that on Amazon or on my website. And, um, and then I also run an online course that's called freedom from emotional eating that is self-paced and it just guides you through um, it's 10 modules that guide you through many of these concepts that I kind of touched on today, but intuitive mindful mindful eating practices. And, you know, yeah, that's another offering that's out there and then working with me, I can do coaching for international, but, um, or, just in general, I'm only licensed to practice mental health in um, the state of New York and in the state of Virginia in the U.S. And but otherwise, I can do coaching uh, more more globally. But the things I mentioned, like EMDR therapy and some other therapeutic techniques, I have to practice within that that realm. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's something I've come across on having um, some U.S. guests come on who, when when they're particularly from a therapeutic background, are like, I can only you know do it in certain areas, whereas. Well, I guess in the UK, you're licensed for the whole UK and probably just the UK. Right. I don't know. So, um, yeah, but awesome. And we'll absolutely link in the show notes so that people can find all of those things from there as well. Thank you so much, Sarah. I've really, really enjoyed speaking with you today. And definitely I kind of feel that the work I've been doing myself on my relationship with food is starting to pay off um, and also inspired to, to think about doing more of it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is such a great conversation and really enjoyed.
just chatting with you today. So thanks again to Sarah for joining us. And honestly, full disclosure, I sometimes record these interviews and I'm feeling like I was when we recorded this in quite a good place. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm doing well and I'm I'm being quite mindful and intuitive. And as you mentioned, this was recorded um around kind of Thanksgiving, which be perfectly honest I'm not entirely sure <laughs> when exactly that date is but in the run-up to to Christmas um and I was doing okay then and then Christmas I enjoyed and then February and March no January and February I did really well um but I think possibly I may have you know slipped back into that diet mindset because March as I've mentioned recently was a bit of a funk in many ways and definitely there was some rebelling or kind of that that idea of falling off a wagon and just eating whatever and not particularly mindfully um and kind of being aware of it but not actually doing (laughs) not actually doing anything about it um and so actually as I said it was very timely to listen back to to kind of reflect on the last couple of months and I think it's emotionally been very up and down the last year for a lot of us and so I am trying to be kind to myself about (laughs) the fact that when we recorded it I was like oh yeah I'm doing great and now (laughs) I'm sort of like oh I haven't been doing so great but I think as Sarah said it, it takes time to really I guess settle into this intuitive mindful way of eating and finding what works for you and I had just been sort of thinking about, oh, a diet. Um, and actually listening to this has made me rethink that in the way I frame it to myself. So making it a choice that actually, um, you know, what what is it that I want to achieve? So I've been feeling not particularly energetic, not particularly healthy. Um, I, I just don't feel so comfortable in my own skin. Um, and so for me, knowing myself, knowing my body, how my body has changed over time, particularly with emotional eating, partly I do want to lose weight and that's, it's for the kind of how it feels rather than the aesthetic so much. But I think being mindful about the way I approach it, that I have fallen into that yo-yo before of like <laughs> diet and then rebel and um, which isn't sustainable, but also doesn't feel particularly great. Um, and so I'm I'm reframing it and thinking about being more mindful generally, choice and choosing to step into a place of nurturing myself and feeding myself in a way that is loving towards myself and nurturing and, you know, and being a bit more realistic. Because I think when I deny myself stuff, <laughs> then often I rebel again and then I, and I really want it. So that's for me it's it's kind of stepping into that intuitiveness about also thinking about how I want to feel day to day and I want to feel energized I want to feel um that that I can actually show up in my life in the way I want and that I've got the energy to do it and I think over the past month or so that's what um has been missing because I've been too much in the eating a lot of chocolate basically it's Easter Easter derailed me again this year um so 
I personally took a, took a lot from this and reflecting. And I just really wanted to be open and honest because I think when I was listening back, I was like, oh, I am not in the same place as I was when we recorded this with my relationship with food and, and kind of how it was going. And I guess that that's okay. Like sometimes that happens with life and you can still make a choice to uh, to change, to be more mindful. Um, and that is my takeaway and when you're listening to this I'm recording this Sunday um hopefully I'll already be a couple of days into not that again that feels like diet talk doesn't it going oh look I'm you know into this new way of um but yeah (laughs) I that's my my focus of really just generally with food but also generally trying to be more mindful of my choices um and and kind of living the way that nurtures me and also giving myself some grace that it's <laughs> that there will be times where um I've mentioned this before about walking that line of sometimes I need to give myself a kick and um do the things that I know are good for me even if I'm feeling a bit lazy and sometimes I need to go it's not laziness I'm just not quite in the right headspace at the moment and kind of managing that and um I've feel like I'm rambling now but (laughs) that's my I guess it's just being mindful uh pushing yourself when you need a bit of a push but also having some grace towards yourself when you need that as well so that's my takeaway I would love to know what your takeaways are so please do let us know on social media you can tag us in a story on Instagram at psyche coaching p-s-y-k-h-e coaching and I'd love to know uh, what your takeaway is If you've enjoyed the show, as always, please do rate, review and share so that we can reach more people. It really means a lot. And I just want to say that I really appreciate you joining us today and taking the time to listen and to get right to the end. Um, It's, um, yeah, I I love the show um, and um, bringing you these amazing interviews. I feel really blessed that I get to talk to amazing people and that you are taking time in in your life to uh, to tune in and listen so thank you so so much for that that's everything for this week we'll be back next week with two more amazing conversations for you until then take care of yourself be kind to yourself and i'll speak to you soon bye for now